This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. This is Sex and Science Hour. Welcome to the show. It's episode 18. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> yeah, this one, okay, we're so late that it's become like we skipped a week. Yeah. So, <laughs> but we have a legitimate reason for this. We've been so busy. God damn, we've been so busy. Oh, yeah. Uh, we just got back from Washington, D.C., where we went to Bitcoin in the Beltway for like less than 48 hours. And we missed most of the conference because we're actually on the way to Porkfest. And we're recording this on our brief layover at the uh, studio, the Sex and Science Hour studio in New Hampshire. Right. So uh, what did you think of Bitcoin in the Beltway, Brian? It was kind of cool. I, okay, I'm sorry. I asked you what you thought of it, and then I started to talk. So I'm going to shut up and let you talk. What <laughs> did you think right. of no. it? Um, well, I'll say this. Jason King knows how to throw a party. Uh, that, yeah. That's for sure. And he does. He was the organizer. Yeah. The uh, the people that we... A lot of people we finally... A lot of, uh, of liberty-minded luminaries were there that we finally got to meet, which was great. Uh, you know, I mean, Washington, D.C. itself, I could... Forget about it. I, I really don't care. Yeah, it's I, such a seedy city, in my opinion. There was there were people there who went out of their way to make us comfortable, and I appreciated yes, that absolutely. But just you know, being near the politics is not our thing for sure. Yeah, <laughs> we really just like, as well. We weren't there over forty eight hours. Yeah, we really like living out in the woods here in New Hampshire, yeah. and we'll be getting plenty of that at Porkfest coming up. But yeah. it was so funny because so Jason King was the organizer of this um, of this shindig, Bitcoin in the Beltway. He runs the Bitcoin based charity Sean's Outpost which is a homeless advocacy organization. And he had purchased like this block of hotel rooms to um, put the speakers in at the hotel, but there were more rooms than there were speakers. So he had like these empty hotel rooms that were unused. So he was like at this party on Friday night as the conference kicked off and he's going around saying, guys, meet me in the lobby in 15 minutes. We're going to go get some homeless people and we're going to put them in these hotel rooms and get them room service. Hell yeah. <laughs> How cool is that? <laughs> it's fantastic. I don't know if he ever succeeded in that plan. I'll have to, you know, ask him about that later, but yeah. just a stand-up guy, like you can tell he's really dedicated yeah. to what he does. He's and, awesome. Uh, I gave a talk at the conference. It was um, it was about micro business. Did right. you know, Brian, that like the vast majority of the world's economy is micro business, which are businesses that have no employees or just a few and very small startup costs? I actually didn't know that until you said so. Yeah, it's a huge amount. Even in the U.S., it's like 85% of businesses are, are micro businesses. And they can really, really benefit from Bitcoin because it protects them from cash flow problems with chargebacks and dealing with the banking system, gives them a gateway to open up their business to the whole world. Right. Um, and not just in the U.S. either. It's all over the world. So that was kind of the gist of my talk in 30 seconds. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm so annoyed by huge companies that to hear that there's so many micro businesses and that something like Bitcoin obviously is making them so much making it so much easier for them to do business, I couldn't be happier. It is some of the best news you could possibly hear, uh, oh, especially yeah. at a Bitcoin conference where a lot of companies are wanting to be big. Yeah, you they're know? wanting to be big and play the regulatory game. And yeah. a lot of micro businesses, it really ties in with the whole System D thing, which yeah. is the um, the free market economy, essentially, where yeah. people just ignore regulations and do business without asking permission and don't necessarily pay taxes or whatever. Right. Not that I'm saying those big companies were at uh, Bitcoin in the Beltway. No, I I'm don't just think saying, they really were. Yeah, in general, there are plenty of Bitcoin companies that it would be just happy and dandy being mm. the next Google. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, 
and whether they will be is the is the question you know, right. that remains to be seen. But you know, speaking of micro businesses, it's not just you know before you start thinking that this is like drug dealers and stuff. It's totally not like if you've ever babysat for someone's kids and gotten paid. If you've ever mowed the lawn for cash, I've done those things. If you've ever <laughs> rented out your apartment, what else have you done for money? Well, no. <laughs> you'll have to keep listening to the show to find out. <laughs> but things like Airbnb, renting out your apartment on Airbnb, there's, you know, there's TaskRabbit where you can outsource kind of home, ma- you know, home tasks to mm-hmm. other people. And Uber, of course, which we used in uh, DC, they actually were a sponsor of Bitcoin in the Beltway Conference and they had a coupon code that you could use, which was Bitcoin. That was awesome. Uh, and Jason King, the organizer, was talking to them about integrating Bitcoin into their service. So, I wonder if that's coming down the pipe. I really hope it is because Uber and Bitcoin is just a natural fit. But all those things are micro businesses. Um, Airbnb, people who, not Airbnb itself or Uber itself, but um, the people who participate in those things and use their driving abilities or their home to make a little extra money on the side. And actually, we had one of the drivers tell us that, yeah, we are independent businesses in and of ourselves, and Uber is our portal. Micro businesses. Yeah, Yeah, so they literally are micro businesses. We we love to talk to Uber drivers. Like, I do this every time I take an Uber. We just talk to them (laughs) about their job, and a lot of them have really interesting stories. And this one guy that we talked to was saying that um, he... Uber will actually finance a car for you. Like you have to have a spotless clean driving record to drive for Uber. There's an application process and they vet people better than taxis. We actually have a friend who went to jail for murder or accessory to murder or something like that. And he drove a taxi after he got out. Right. Uh, Would you want a murderer driving your taxi (laughs) Uh, or a convicted someone who went to jail for murder? Right. And this guy said that you have to pass a background check. You have to have a perfect driving record to drive for Uber. And if you don't have credit or if you don't have the finances for it, Uber actually has deals with car companies. Yeah, it'll take and a few thousand off. Several, like five to seven thousand, yeah, he said, off yeah. of the car. You you do have to buy the car yourself, but they'll help you with it. So I just thought that was a fascinating um, thing. And Uber Uber has been around since 2007, which I did not know. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. So anyway, that was a little bit about our experience at the uh, Bitcoin in the Beltway conference. But uh, what else is going on in Bitcoin these days? We, there was a lot well, of Well, I just want to say real quick, it mm-hmm. was a very comfortable conference. And yeah. Not all of them are that comfortable. True. So if, if you want to, if you want it in one word, it was very comfortable to be there. Best so. ratio of, of female speakers to like, yeah. I can't say enough great things about Jason King. I, he's like, he's going to be the hero of the day, I'm sure. But, yeah. you know, he really did invite the women. Like I was talking to some women at this conference and everyone always says, oh, there's a gender problem with Bitcoin. There's, you know, there's a, there's a gap. There's more, way more men than there are women. And, you know, to a certain extent, you could say, well, tech is more male dominated for whatever reason, whether it's mm-hmm. a natural thing or whether it's the result of discrimination. That's just how it is. Yeah, to a certain extent, that's true. But there aren't no women in the Bitcoin space. Right. There are women there. And some conferences are really good about giving those women credit, even when they don't necessarily promote themselves so aggressively. Mm-hmm. You know, some some conference organizers are really good at, about inviting them as speakers. And some conferences kind of pass them over if they're not super aggressive about asking to speak and promoting themselves. Right. Because let me tell you a secret. Most of the people who speak at these conferences are asking to speak. They're not getting invited. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is a fact. Yeah. Oh, that's a whole other tangent. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's kind of a dirty little secret, I guess, in the industry. I mean, some people do, you know, once you get big enough, you're going to get asked to speak and asked to keynote and stuff like that. But a lot of the speakers 
aren't necessarily being invited, they're reaching out to the conference. Right. Which that can be fine, but um, not many people know it. But anyway, um, I, I just appreciated the fact that there were female speakers there. Do you know there was this one conference that... It, they had actually invited me to speak, but they, and I'm not naming any names here, but they had invited me to speak, but they said, oh yeah, well, we, we'd love you to speak, but, you know, we can't get you a plane ticket. We can't pay for your hotel room or anything like that. And so I said, well, you know, I really can't do that. <laughs> like, I'm not going to self-finance my trip to this thing. And it was pretty far. It was yeah, in it was Europe. overseas, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I just gave it away here. But like a week before that conference, I got this panicked email from a women in tech kind of list. And it was like, can anybody go to this conference and speak? They have 33 male speakers and zero female speakers yeah. a week before the conference. And I was just thinking, wow, they have zero female speakers and they couldn't even offer to get me a plane ticket or something, you know, a, even a discount code for the hotel, like <laughs> nothing. I mean, it was just, I wondered if all these men were self-financing their trips to go there. Yeah, who knows? that can add up. But anyway, enough bitching about conferences. I think yeah. I'm done with that. I got it off my chest. Uh, <laughs> so what else to, is happening in Bitcoin? <laughs> on to Porkfest. So anyway, we had actual content for this segment. We kind of yacked about conferences, but um, have you heard about this, Brian? There's Everybody's talking about this potential 51% attack thing where this mining pool, a Bitcoin mining pool, um, has gotten 51% of the network power. And they were getting close for a while. Yeah. Everyone was warning about this. Yes. But they've gotten 51% and they're like, yeah, what's the big deal? And the big deal, obviously, is that if someone has 51% of the computational power in, that makes up the Bitcoin network that produces the blockchain, the record of all Bitcoin transactions, and it works by public record and consensus, um, they could write a false record that says, yeah, all the Bitcoins belong to me. And then, of course, they wouldn't really be worth much because then that Bitcoin is broken at that point and the price crashes. Sure. But, you know, if somebody wanted to break Bitcoin, they could in that way if they have 51% of the network power. So this is a mining pool, a Bitcoin mining pool. And, you know, there have been people who have come out and said, well, it's not in their interest to do anything to mess with Bitcoin, even if they have all this power. Yeah, I've heard this from the biggest names in Bitcoin that, hey, no, come on. But here's the problem with that. For starters, that's saying they're afraid of MAD. MAD being an acronym, Mutually Assured Destruction. This is what kept the Cold War going mm -hmm. for, you know, 40 years or however long, okay? Uh, and that's that's not a good thing to run on in the first place, okay? That's just running off of the fact that, you know, or even worse, you're running off of the good graces of a centralized mining pool to say, yeah, no, no, we, we won't, we promise. Okay. You know, so much for a trustless system, you're trusting them to not do it. Well, it's true okay. that they have an incentive not to break Bitcoin, but what happens when there's some politician or whoever that's it, that puts, you know, coercion to them and says, yeah, no, you're going to break yeah, Bitcoin. That's my point is that, okay, fine, it's not in their interest, but all it takes is the right person with the right interest, with the right set of code to, to crack them, or the, right set of or the right amount of guns to point at their head to say, no, you're going you're gonna to power up all your ASICs, you're going to make this happen, mm. what, how, you know, however that all works out. Okay? And so to say that it's not in their interest, oh, no, 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 no. You know, so what? It's in someone else's interest. And, you know, I mean, coercion's real. People can do this. But if the government breaks Bitcoin, then they won't be able to track all our transactions. That's well, what some people would that, say anyway. A, yeah, and some people would say they haven't done this already because yeah. it's actually their plan. 
I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't think Bitcoin is broken because of this, no. but it's and, and we're not criticizing Bitcoin, but I it definitely Bitcoin. this is, has been a theoretical problem for a long time. And now it's becoming a potential real issue. And so we'll see how it shakes out. You know, yeah, just be aware. Don't deny realities. <laughs> all right. This is Sex and Science Hour. And uh, we're all about not denying reality here on the show. We'll be back with more science in moments <laughs> coming up. Stay tuned. This is Sex and Science Hour. Welcome back to the show. You know, it's kind of like Sex and Science Therapist Hour. And therapist Hour? By the way, if you've never been to a therapist, a therapist hour is like 50 minutes. It's oh, not yeah, a, It's yeah. not a full hour, you know? Because <laughs> oh, uh, they need to have some time to make notes and everything. I was going to say, I thought it was however long they could handle listening to the person laying on the couch. Because oh, then that they're might like, be Oh, it. gee, yeah, time's up. <laughs> You know, it could okay, be Brian. Our time is up. Yeah, it could be ten. Leave minutes. my office now. Get off oh, the couch. N- n- get no, a I tissue. Wanna, stop me... crying. <laughs> That's <laughs> not what I need the tissue for. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> All right, yeah. And I just wanted to let people know on a serious note that this is a little bit shorter show. We decided, like, we have such limited time right now because we're rushing between conferences. But we really wanted to get a show out for you guys just to have some content. So less is better than nothing, right? Yes. Less than an hour is better than no show at all i'll agree for now (laughs) for now okay well we will uh we will probably squeeze some more in after we get back with this uh, back from this round of travel here uh you know we were speaking of um bitcoin micro businesses and regulation and sort of system d and how a lot of entrepreneurs are totally outside the system yeah um worldwide and by a lot of estimates these statistics are fresh in my mind because i just gave this talk today but um so by some estimates, it's like a $10 trillion economy with 2 billion people in it, involved in it. It is like totally off the books, kind of unregulated. Yeah. Also known as a shadow economy. Yeah. I mean, I actually was talking with someone who brought up a great point about that. It's not, we should probably stop using the terms black market and shadow market and just say free market because that's really what it is and it has a more positive connotation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess I could see that. Yeah, I mean, like, black market just brings up these connotations of, like, drug dealers, guns, and kitty porn, and all this bad stuff. (laughs) But it's really not like that. These are just people who are resourceful, and they want to better their own lives, and they want to provide a product or service in the process, like people who drive an Uber or rent out their apartment on Airbnb, and they're just doing it for a little cash on the side. And if they were to comply with all the onerous regulations, they wouldn't be able to do it. That's just the simple fact of the matter right is that this is a natural consequence of when government gets so big and ridiculous that everybody is out of compliance with something at some time you know then people are just going to ignore it and not care sure and i actually there was another here's another statistic for you in the u.s there are estimates that the the free market that goes on with micro micro businesses being involved in it um the U.S. government loses more than a trillion dollars, like $1.2 trillion every year of people who are just not paying them taxes when they quote unquote are supposed to. I couldn't be happier. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's <laughs> like $1.2 trillion less bombs maybe that'll be dropped on brown people around the world. Yeah. That's great. I really hope that uh, continues to decrease, you know, because I really do not like war or war dollars. And that's one reason I like Bitcoin so much. But anyway, um, this article relates, and I've wanted to read it on the show for a while. It's it's um, a couple weeks old at this point, but certainly poignant. 
This is by Michael Jackson. He's the former CEO of COO of Skype. Excuse me. Not the Michael Jackson the, you're thinking of. Yeah, not the former uh, king of pop. Yeah. <laughs> Brian is a big fan of MJ, by the Dead way. Dead serious, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> Maybe not so much a big fan of Skype in its current form. However, you know, Skype was a really cool innovation, especially when it first came out. It enabled us to do things that we couldn't do before. Talk to people around the world for free. Sure. Right? Through the internet. Um, and Skype has certainly added a lot to my life. There have been certain friendships in my life that have would not have been possible without Skype. Right. And long distance relationships and stuff like that. Yeah, it really gave, I think it's, it's real prominence came from the fact that it gave everybody the power uh, of that the FBI has to where you could record phone calls, <laughs> you know, with, well, yeah, without buying, uh, you know, hardware that may be hard to come by. Mm -hmm. And then of course the, the, what it did for the podcast world. But what I really want to talk about is this article that Michael wrote for um, Coindesk, and it's called Bitcoin and Regulation, Lessons from the Early Days of Skype. And it's a long article. You can read it. We'll put it in our show notes um, at on the Sex and Science Hour uh, po podcast, which will be posted at letstalkbitcoin.com. But basically what it says is that in the beginning of Skype, there were a lot of government agents and regulators who were crawling up there behind trying to say, oh, you guys are a phone company. Right. So you need to comply with all the rules and regulations that have been established for telecommunications companies, which means they've got to provide 911 calls, they got to guarantee service, they got to apply taxes, they got to charge people, they got to do all this stuff, and uh, their quality would have suffered for it. And actually, they would never, they would not have been able to exist. No, they wouldn't have gotten off the ground if they had to deal with all of that. Exactly. And Skype, to be fair, was not a phone company. It right. was something completely different and new that kind of had some elements that overlapped with with uh, what a phone company might do, but it wasn't a phone company. No, even though they offer telephone numbers, that's more of a linking system. It's really not. At a the phone. time, they didn't. Right. At the time yeah, when they started they out, there were no telephone numbers integrated. Now there are, of course, but but yeah. Um, so they took that position from the beginning. They took a firm stance that look, no, we are not a telco company, telecom telecommunications company. We do not fall under these regulations. Go take a hike. We're going to provide this innovative service that helps people out and that people like. And we're not going to follow the rules for phone companies because we're not a phone company. Right. And they got away with it. And they were able to do it. And they were able to totally get off the ground. Now, you can say what you want now at this point in time about Skype being buddy-buddy with the NSA and the regulators and so forth. But the point remains that they successfully established themselves as not being a phone company when everybody thought that's what they were because they were in this narrow-minded paradigm of, well, if you can talk to someone, it must be a phone company. Right? <laughs> and this guy, Michael Jackson, he's saying Bitcoin people should have the same attitude. They should stop saying, yeah, we're a bank. We're a money transmitter. Give me the license. I'll pay you for it. Right. And we're going to follow all this KYC, AML, anti-money laundering stuff that has nothing to do with Bitcoin because it's not a bank and it's not a money transmitter. It's something that's completely new and different, just like Skype was not a phone company. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the actually the parallels are a lot stronger because I think part of the reason that Skype was allowed to flourish so well is because it was so popular in Japan. Mm. Um, and ironically, like Japan wouldn't touch it. Somehow Japan, the Japanese government, I should say, has this, uh, I don't know, they, they know when to back off. 
it seems, oftentimes. Mm -hmm. Okay, because they just announced the other day, they said, we're not touching Bitcoin. Yeah. We're not going to regulate it. We're not going to do anything with it. You just let it ride. Okay. Uh, Same thing with file sharing. In fact, a very popular file sharing software used to be only in Japanese. It's in English now, but it's called Perfect Dark that runs for Windows. And so the Japanese, they love their Windows and they stay away from, you know, all these new technologies and they just let them do their thing. It's really incredible Mm. how how that occurs. You know, and of course, I mean, the Japanese government stays away from it. The culture, of course, wants this sort of thing. Uh, and they love doing things from their computers. Smartphones took forever to take off. Mm -hmm. So they were very used to using Skype to get in touch with everybody. It's it's really something. And, uh, yeah, I mean, so the parallels are interesting and I agree that, I mean, the only thing is, is that Skype, I feel like it, maybe from the beginning, it, it sort of had government, uh, or at least, uh, intelligence agencies hands in it. Well, you could make the same argument about Bitcoin. Some people do. I don't know if it's true or not, but sure. there are certainly people who allege that, oh, it's a perfect um, flypaper for, for government because who wants to be involved with this stuff? Well, it's people who deal in illicit stuff and libertarians. Enemies of the state. Yeah. And people who don't like the dollar. Sure. <laughs> and sure. Th- it's kind of true. I mean. <laughs> right. But it, it's it's a beautiful statement. I think the article is a beautiful statement and it doesn't really make this statement, but I think it's there, is that if the rest of the world accepts it, eventually the U.S. will just be like, okay, you know, and they'll I back hope off. So it potentially if they hear from enough people, you know, like another thing the Uber driver we talked to, to uh, this weekend was saying was that uh, there were some cities that were trying to you know, crack down on Uber in favor of the taxi companies. And people said, no, 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 no. This is a great service. We love it. It's safe. It's awesome. Right. And they backed down because of public pressure. Now, I'm the first one to say that voting doesn't do anything. If voting did anything, it would they'd make it illegal, right? Yeah. <laughs> if it was possible to make po- meaningful change through the political system, then, um, you know, it wouldn't be, <laughs> it wouldn't be allowed to continue. Uh, so voting is barking up the wrong tree, but you know there is something to be said for PR and sort of public pressure uh, oh, that can be applied to get get these government people to back off or at least to understand that this is not the the typical old guard thing. This is something new and different. And this article says, it, Michael says in the article, look to be perfectly blunt. You Bitcoin people should be looking for every loophole you can find in yeah. these regulations and using them to your full advantage. Don't jump through the hoops before you're forced to jump through the hoops. Regulation is not inevitable. You're asking for it. Right. And if you're asking for it, you're going to get it. If you're asking for it, it is inevitable, but it doesn't have to be. And I just love that perspective. It's so infrequent. You hear so many people in the Bitcoin space begging for regulation and to be basically thought of as a bank. And that, you know, this perspective is so rarely out there of, hey, no, don't do that. Well, <laughs> You're something new. Yeah, it, it shows, it just brings to light a decrepit system, okay? Because the people asking for regulation, especially in Bitcoin and all that, they're, they're playing to people's fears. They're saying you're afraid that this is going to happen, that this is going to happen. Look, if you're afraid, go home, <laughs> okay? Go home, don't touch it, stay away. You, you know, I mean, this this is crazy. And Skype had, I agree, they had the temerity to just keep going forward and ignore everything. And then in 2011, they get bought out by Microsoft, mm. you know, for, for tons of cash. Yep. Okay. Staying your course, staying true to what you're trying to do is priceless. It's priceless. And it will, I, my opinion, it will pay off in the end. 
no matter how hard the trials are, uh, it will pay off in the end every time. All right. Well, I'm glad we got to cover that, Brian. That was a great discussion. Uh, since we have a shorter show, I do want to get to another cool science story. Oh, yes. Let's do that it. That I think people will appreciate who listen to this show. And this is, of course, Sex and Science Hour. Um, now, I don't know if this this is really too sexy, but if you have a food fetish, you might think so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so there has been a robot that's been invented now that can make um, fast food burgers. And can do it in a second. It can make one burger a second. It can do it fresh, so it slices the pickles freshly, and it slices all the vegetables. Wait, one burger a second? Oh, no, I'm sorry. A burger every six seconds. Every six seconds. Six okay. seconds. So, But still, that's pretty good. It can make 360 burgers an hour. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of burgers. <laughs> now, or sandwiches. And it, they're all custom made, and it doesn't have any screw-ups because it's a machine, assuming the data is entered correctly. Right. <laughs> but maybe they'll have some kind of keypad where you can enter in your own order, and it just makes it for you. Yeah. In the future, future, future. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is an idea you had. You actually talked about with me. You know, ab- yes, about we talked about up. this about a year ago. Yeah. And you said, I'm sure someone's already doing this, and you were right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is with this, I... I I got to say, I get it. I understand like the, the idea of it, but I don't think this is going to fly. Uh, I have really, even with the minimum wage laws increasing to 15 bucks an hour, you know, because you, you get know, a robot instead. Yeah. Because you're going to lose customers. People, really? ch- people change their minds. I have fast food experience in my past mm-hmm. quite a bit. And actually I'm not boasting here. I'm a hell of a sandwich maker. Okay. <laughs> in fact, I can do a five second sandwich. Okay. Oh, you beat the oh, robot, I, huh? I, I can. You I can. Beat All the right. robot. <laughs> anyway. But do you slice the pickles freshly? <laughs> no, no, I don't do that. No. <laughs> but here's the thing is that I know people, even to this day, people change their mind all the time. They'll get to the window, you know, to the drive through window and they'll say, look, could you take the ketchup off of that? What's the robot supposed to do there? I mean, well, you, just make another one. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I think that's gonna. there's going to be a problem to where... I, well, yeah, who's going to eat all the extra screw-up sandwiches, huh? Maybe it'll trash no it. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just I don't necessarily see this kind of taking off. I understand why they want it because of the minimum wage Yeah, it doesn't need health care. It doesn't need to participate right. in Obamacare. It doesn't need a... You know, it, it doesn't need to wash its hands and make sure it's not sneezing all over the food because it can't do that. And it can right. do custom orders. You know, you can apparently it even does these custom meat grinds. Like if you wanted a burger that was like one third buffalo, one third beef and one third pork, you could have it. Yeah, if it can. I mean, that it's definitely doing more than a sandwich maker can. Yeah. You, you know, certainly. And like various franchises have the rule of you got to make a seven, seven, a seven second sandwich. Mm-hmm. So it's it's making that. You know, it's doing its QSC, mm. but... Well, maybe someday it'll be um, integrated with Ethereum and you can just make a smart contract for a sandwich or something. Oh, boy. And have that it be? exactly how you want it. Have it your way <laughs> on the blockchain. This is Sex and Science Hour. We'll be back to the grind in moments. Stay tuned. Hello, listeners. I just wanted to give a special shout out and thank you to those who support our podcast by giving us tips or by shopping through our affiliate links that we have in our show notes. This really helps us out and it's super fun. In fact, I have a couple of stories to relate about this. This week before the conference in Washington, D.C., I actually had a listener of the show offer to buy me dinner and she sent me some Bitcoin and I had a delicious uh, sushi meal 
on her. And I thank her for that very much. And we actually received a couple of other tips this week, too. So thank you so much. Another fun story. I was at a party at the Bitcoin in the Beltway conference, and somebody walked up to me at this party, put his hands on his hips and said, your Amazon links are kind of boring. So I spiced it up. And I said, were you the one who bought that male underwear, the thong and all that? And he goes, wouldn't you like to know? (laughs) So that was rather fun. Keeping me guessing as to who got the items. And that's the thing with our Amazon links. We can see what was purchased, but not who bought it. So what did people buy this week? Well, first off, we had an ice cube tray and a freezer. Those may go together, just guessing. A squatty potty. Somebody may have heard our creative commercial. I think that was the first one we sold through our Amazon link anyway. A Moto G global GSM unlocked phone. An Amazon gift card. You can order those through Amazon through our link. A mattress topper and a bed frame. Where's the mattress? That's the only thing missing. And and where's your bed buddy to keep you company? I guess you can't get that on Amazon yet. They will have it soon. Uh, <laughs> out of stock. The Sony MDR1 RNC noise canceling headphones. This is these are very nice speaking as an audiophile. And finally a couple of uh, videos. We had X-Men First Class Blu-ray and instant video of Wander Over Yonder which looked like an animated uh, cartoon of some kind. And yes, you can get uh, on-demand video through our links as well. And just to round it out, just to spice it up to make it exciting. I'll give you another taste of the male flavored shopping. We had some tennis balls and a book of legal briefs. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for supporting Sex and Science Hour. Now, without any further ado, back to the show. Oh, yeah, it's Sex and Science Hour, third segment. Uh, I got nothing. Okay, (laughs) that's fine. Brian, are you sleeping in the buff? I'm asking because I'm concerned about your health. Every single night. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Because apparently it's healthy or something. We just, you know, we didn't have much sex in this show. And we really wanted to talk about this article because it's fun. Yeah, and it's I, Sex and Science Hour. Yeah, I, I, sex for, I, like, I want to talk about sex as often as possible. Yeah, so. I think we could do a whole show just about sex. Maybe we, we will move in that direction eventually. And if you like that, let us know. Give us some feedback. Yeah, if, you, if you're like, I don't want to hear about... Like, we've actually gotten feedback before, like... This show isn't all about Bitcoin. Come on, you guys are going to talk more more about Bitcoin. (laughs) I'm not trying to make fun of the people who said that. But people have given us that feedback that they wanted to hear more Bitcoin. Because I guess we are on the Let's Talk Bitcoin network, so maybe that's what they expect. Right. Uh, But, you know, when someone sees a title of a show called Sex and Science Hour, it's like, how could you disagree with those things? you got to tune in. You know, it's sex and science. How cool is that? What exactly are you into Bitcoin for if not to achieve more sex and science in life? That's a good question. Uh, Email us, show at sexandsciencehour.com if you want (laughs) to give us feedback about our show or anything else. And and thank you for everybody who has emailed us because we love your emails. And uh, we do have some emails to get to. But first, talk about sleeping naked. We got serious business to get to. Let's talk about you. All right. Oh, you are good. I know. Are you Salt or Peppa? Uh, I'll be both. (laughs) (laughs) Brian's spicing up your life. Uh, (laughs) Let's kick it up a notch. So six reasons to sleep naked. Number one is... I'll give you one reason, but go ahead with the six. What's what's your one reason? No, go with the six. No, I want to hear it. I'm curious. (laughs) Now you've teased me. You gotta pay the tease. Don't be a tease. 
all right, why not? I mean, <laughs> okay, like, that's like, good. How, how that's much good. Time, I mean, I guess there, there can be, speaking of tease, there could be the tease of, you know, it's fun to take off the clothes, right? Oh, yeah. But how much easier is, is it to just, you know, in the middle of the night, oh, yeah, you know, let, let's rock and roll. That's a good and point. And you don't have to, you know, the, the graggy, anyway, go on. <laughs> All right. Well, that assumes you have someone in your bed with you. Right. That, that's, that's what that step assumes. Step one. Yeah. <laughs> step two, sleep nude. But yeah. even if you don't no, have someone. If in, you don't have someone. Yeah. I and mean, then, you know, if you get up in the middle of the night, you just had a hot dream or something and it didn't go all the way to wet, then, <laughs> you know, your pants are already off and, yeah, and you can do what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, number one is airing out your most intimate bits. Oh, that's a good idea. That's not super sexy. I mean, no one wants to think of moldy junk, but, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's good to let it air out, of course. Well, it's designed, I mean, especially for men, Mm -hmm. the the way your genitalia is designed. Yeah, it can't get too hot. It's meant to be cool. Spermies. Yeah, it is not. If you want to have babies. Right. I mean, there's a reason that, you know, that you're... uh, uh, that your balls are outside your yeah, body. That your yeah, your balls are outside. <laughs> right. You know, this is all designed to get cooled down. Mm-hmm. So that's that's okay. Exactly. Number two is um, staying cool and comfortable. And actually, there is a lot of research on this. We talk a lot about sort of um, living a natural lifestyle. You know, perhaps you might even call it like going back to Paleolithic roots. Mm-hmm. Um, but people do actually sleep better at cooler temperatures. And so, if they're too hot, it can be difficult to sleep. Yeah, this is a tip. Just those clothes. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is a tip. If you have a hard time sleeping, no matter what kind of stressful conditions you're in, uh, I guarantee you, take off your clothes, you'll fall asleep pretty fast. Yeah. How does that work? Are we like going back to when we were babies and we're just sleeping, snoozing? I don't know. Or, I, I don't know what does it, but I can tell you, even if you're in the middle of the desert, it works. Mm. <laughs> well, you have been. That I have. You have had a chance to try that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boosting anti-aging hormones. Apparently, um, if you're cool when you're sleeping, you release more melatonin, which is the hormone that your brain produces that makes you feel sleepy. And growth hormone, which some people actually like dose themselves with growth hormone, synthetic growth hormone to right. try to make themselves it's the fountain of youth, supposedly. I don't yeah. think it works, but it's supposedly, you know, it's released by exercise and good quality deep sleep. So if you get into deep sleep and you get your nice and cool, you're going to produce more of this hormonal soup, this hormonal milieu that will help you stay young forever. How could you not want that? Yeah, especially when there's so much life to live. You know, That's it's, right. I doubt I'm going to have time to do everything I want to do in the conventional lifespan. So we need to fix that. Absolutely. And uh, <laughs> get some more time on the on board. Number four, stamping out stress hormones. And oh my gosh, that's so true. Cortisol, the stress, the yeah. stress hormone. There's more than one, but cortisol is the most famous one. Um, you know, is associated with like difficulty losing weight and like abdominal fat and just bags under your eyes and stress. And, you know, when you don't get a good sleep, you really uh, physically show it, I think, sometimes. And yeah, can, absolutely. People can see your suffering. Yeah, I mean, sleep is so important. Uh, you know, it, it can't it can't be under it can't be overstated. Yeah, how absolutely. important sleep is, and so if something just helps you sleep and gives you a better sleep, oh, do it. And what? And it's like, why isn't sleeping nude the default? Why isn't nudity the default all the time? I, I guess people I have to know. go to work and stuff, but uh, yeah, we don't go to work. We it, work at home. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I I consider myself. Uh, a nudist or I, I support nudity. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think clothes are 
nine times out of ten ridiculous but mm. you know it's so funny be a real hindrance yeah every time i say that somebody says but what about when it's cold outside and it's like oh yeah that never occurred to me <laughs> oh it gets cold out i've lived in the north you know 90 percent of my you life you do live in new and, hampshire to be fair you're always talking about that sure but it's just so funny that people think well what about when it's cold and it's like oh yeah i never thought about that Right, because well, it's going to be 20 below. Well, then you wear clothes. But I mean, <laughs> come on. Of course I know that. But that doesn't mean that the rest of the time, yeah, there's no reason for you not to go around naked. It's like, well, I don't want to see that person naked. And that's that that just turns into this whole shaming mentality and, and it gets it gets out of hand. <laughs> yeah, it can really get into body non-acceptance. Like, I mean, there's a, you know, it's sort of a stereotype or a joke about nudists is right. that they're the people you really don't want to see naked. But there's really something to be said for that when you get when you normalize nudity then you can accept your body for all its flaws because we're nobody's perfect, right? No. You can accept yourself so much more easily when nudity is normal. You know, when you've seen a lot of naked people and it's just a part of life, yeah. we all have the same stuff under our clothes pretty yeah. much. We're different, but we all have our own little um, quirks about our bodies and that's okay. We can accept no, ourselves. It really is okay. And, and people being more nude, open to nudity, okay, which it's only legal in Vermont in the U.S. as far as I know to go anywhere nude. But anyway, the more you're open to that, you know, a lot of people are, they diet, they do a lot of things just to look good naked. Mm. Okay. And but it, when does anyone ever see them right, naked? But that's all right. <laughs> but who are the only people you see naked? Hollywood porn stars mm. these people you know of that type who that's so, their job right to and look perfect exactly they're paid to look that way mm -hmm. okay and they're chosen for that and this is the thing is that if your definition of looking good naked is based upon people being paid to look that way mm. okay like even having a six-pack now i'm not an unfit guy at all okay and i've had a six-pack you know at times and i'm just saying that having that six-pack that's yeah that's nice that's a sign of health i guess you could say but it's really it's, it's hard to achieve that shrink wrap look all the most time of the people, it's not normal yeah really. i mean go down the list of these fitness models you see online with with team shreds and all that look they're getting paid to do that most people don't have the time or or the genetics necessarily yeah, or some the people genetics, just have it naturally right for sure. or the genetics to make that happen but that's what's normalized as looking good when that mm. doesn't have to be yeah Okay, and, and that's so crazy. Our, our perceptions are really screwed up, and part of it is because of this conservative culture. I mean, if, 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 you're, if, you were, if you're meant to wear a t-shirt, you would have been born with it attached to your skin. <laughs> well, there you go, Brian's been on a soapbox. <laughs> I agree with you, Brian. You know, but I would have to say, like, one subtle difference is that I like, I like um, naturism, too, yeah, naturism. Nudism. Yeah, Some sure. people call them naturists or na naturism. Yeah, they're, they're often interchangeable. Because um, that's what people are in nature, right? Naturally. Um, I like it too, but it's not so much the just clothing in general that bothers me because I see a purpose to it, but it's constrictive clothing. It's uncomfortable clothing. Right. Like bras. <laughs> like oh, yeah. tight uh, stuff that that constrains your movement that jeans that you can't cross yeah. your legs without it feeling tight you know yeah, or, I mean, or shoes that are really uncomfortable and pinch your feet you know yeah i don't i like freedom i like to be able to move and 
you can do that with clothes on as long as the clothes allow you enough freedom of movement to experience what your body can do, right? Sure. Or just think about a tie. sound like such hippies. No, but come on. Think about a tie, okay? Look, I've spent a good part of my life having to wear suits every day. I never want to do it again. What is the purpose of a tie? The purpose of a tie Mm -hmm. is 200 years old, 300 years old. It was designed to keep, you know, your cloak close to you is designed to keep your you know for when it's cold outside or something how many people today especially with our temperature controlled environments be it our car or our house spend any amount of time to where a tie would be necessary at all Mm. okay it's ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous that people still wear ties they they serve zero purpose and what are they and pretty much everyone says they're so uncomfortable they just don't nobody likes breathing it's so unhealthy for you talking about yeah oh it's (laughs) crazy feel that way i've heard it described definitely it's feeling like a new sometimes yeah absolutely i don't get it you know and i have to admit for all the health detriments that could potentially be attached to those they look good I like the way they look on men. You know, I think Suits? it looks I, suit and tie. I think it looks nice. Wow. And I love the way women look in heels. I like the way I look in heels, but they are just so uncomfortable. It's almost not worth it. It's not worth it most of the yeah, time. It's I, only worth it once in a while. Yeah, I'm, I'm not with you on either. <laughs> okay. Like heels, I think, look terrible. Really? Yeah. Well, you just want everything off. You're just no, a no, total it's not that. nudist it's just that purist. At, at some point, you know, you want to run off into the woods and she can't run with <laughs> oh, you. Oh, that's the reason. You okay. know, to get under the tree and have a good time. I mean, she's going to click, click, click. I mean, it, it's crazy. Yeah, she's going to be aerating the lawn. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> number five reason to sleep naked, sensation um, boosts orgasm. Fantastic. Try this as an experiment. They say keep a window open as you fall asleep, throw off the covers, and let every square inch of your body be bathed in the late night traffic and nocturnal critters, the soft luminescence of moonlight, random pockets of cool air. So they're saying it's like a sensual thing to experience these sensations on your skin, and clothing can turn down the dial on that, and then pretty soon life is like more bland. I think that's absolutely true. Mm. Uh, That is especially, you know, for men and, you know, and, and their dick. I mean, it's constantly rubbing against cloth all day long. You oh, know, yeah, I mean, deadening well, the sensation. I, I, you know, I. There's a product the f- called a manhood. The function of the foreskin is supposed right, to protect right. um, the glands from, you know, other like clothing rubbing up against it, yeah. which desensitizes it and dries it out. Yeah, precisely. And so, you know, th- I think this is absolutely true. And that, especially if you slept like without covers or with much less mm. anyway, uh, you might find all kinds of sensitivities that you never knew you had. Ooh. Oh, oh yeah. my. And then number six, it's sexy. We knew that. Did they really Hell need yeah, six reasons? Sexy. Do, do you like these lists? Okay. Lists are usually clickbait, but this one wasn't too bad. I thought no, this, this, was, was pretty this was pretty good. And it's a topic that needed to be discussed. All right. Do it tonight. You heard us. That's the doctor's orders. Tonight and every night. <laughs> But what about the winter? Come on. You're in a temperature controlled environment all the time. Stop. Yes, we have heat. So, uh, (laughs) Brian, we've (laughs) only... Sleep naked, you'll have heat. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You can create your own. Self-produced if you want, yeah. Do the fire starting thing where you rub the sticks in your hands. Yeah. You got to find a stick to do that with though. Oh, my God. I'm such a pervert. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, we did get an email uh, I wanted to talk about. We only have a little bit of time left, but this person emailed us. We had talked about gluten intolerance a couple weeks ago on the Mm -hmm. show. Remember that? Where there was the study that said, oh, it may not be real. And this guy said that something that i've heard before but basically he said the way that bread is made nowadays 
it's just totally different than the way that people used to make bread. Like the cultures, the 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 brewers' yeast are like quick rise, so that the right. bread rises within a few hours. Uh, but they used to ferment the the dough for quite a long time, like a day or more. And they use these like old school kind of ancestral sourdough cultures. And those yeast apparently would actually break down the gluten in the bread so that by the time it was done fermenting, it was pretty much gluten free. And you could test it out and the, like the gluten wouldn't show up. But with modern brewer's yeast, where people don't want to wait for it to rise, it doesn't get rid of the gluten. And I, I could believe this. I think this might be totally accurate. Yeah. Um, I mean, this guy said that he tested it uh, with a friend who he th- was a celiac and gave her some of this ancestral bread and she didn't have a problem with it. So phenomenal. There you go. It Maybe it's the way that bread is prepared. Maybe it is not that gluten intolerance isn't real. The jury's still out for sure. But um, yeah, all the way around. But this is really interesting to hear about. I appreciate the email. Yeah. Thanks to Bob. And w- there was an article with it. So we'll link to that in our show notes, too. Fantastic. Thanks, Bob, for bringing that to light. Alternate theories about what's going on here. In the meantime, we're done with the show today, but there's more. Uh, of course, Sex and Science Hour next week coming up. We're going to try to squeeze in another show for you at some point in between all the fun and games at Porkfest. That's so right. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for tuning in. Our show now has its own podcast feed on letstalkbitcoin.com. Subscribe, review, rate, do whatever you want to do, and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week.